Sunday, January 26, 2020. Somebody who greatly influenced my life as an entertainer, an athlete, and just an all-around good guy that I looked up to. Perished in a tragic helicopter accident along with eight other people. The person I'm talking about is Kobe Jelly Bean Bryant. So, it was with a heavy heart that I start off my road to greatness. My version of the Mamba mentality, or in my case, every day is a dog day, and I'm aspire to be the top dog with this news. But I just want to say a shout out and a special rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, Alyssa Altabelli, Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, and Ara Zabayan. Nine beautiful souls that was lost. Hopefully all the families find peace because this too shall pass. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your main man, the guy, Kenny, Kenny Chambers, whatever you want to call him. Just don't call me collect right now. You tuned into the inaugural episode of the heart of a champion podcast right now. What you just heard that was better for you by the guy, Kevin Gates, one of my favorite artists, a great man in his own right. This inaugural episode of the heart of a champion podcast I'm going to give you all an insight into who I am, what makes me tick, and how I got to be the way I am. But the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to start off introducing myself to y'all by telling y'all about the special women in my life on this Valentine's Day and letting y'all know about the women that influenced me to become who I am today. So... Diving right in, 
you know, of course, everybody have a mom, everybody have a dad, your parents got parents, so on and so forth. So, if we starting off properly, it's only right that we start off with my great-grandmothers. Now, my Granny McGee, which is my granny on my dad's side, my great-granny on my dad's side, I should say, probably one of the sweetest people you could have ever met when she was alive. This lady was the epitome of what you would expect of a grandmother, of a great-grandmother. I can't remember her ever having no bad days. I can't remember her ever not smiling. Like, she was always loving, caring, warm, and inviting. And when she was alive, the time that I got to spend with her, I was young. It was like throughout my formative years and my early adolescence. So we just going to say from maybe like birth to about age like eight or nine. And I can remember at the time I was living with my dad and his side of the family because my parents were split up. And I never forget, I was a straight A student up to like third or fourth grade in elementary school. And whenever me, my grandmother, and my aunts on my dad's side would go visit my granny McGee, it was always funny and interesting to me. Because even though my granny spoiled me, I guess she didn't want to seem like she spoiled me in front of my great-granny. So I would always ask for, like, extra food or whatever or a toy or something small and, you know, childlike that was insignificant to whatever we was doing at the time. And my grandmother, my Granny Chambers, which is my dad's mom, she would always tell me no. But then my Granny McGee would, like, overhear the conversation, and I could just always remember her going, Go on, Neat. Let the boy have it. He'll never cause you no harm. He'll never cause you no problems. Let the boy have it. And it's so funny because my grandmother being a disciplinarian in my life at the time, to see her submit to somebody else who she had to submit to out of respect, it was the most craziest thing. But it also made me like laugh and chuckle under my breath as a little kid because I'm like, nah, 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 you can't get me. Because I would eventually find out as I got older, but my dad was my great-grandmother's favorite grandchild, just like my dad was my grandmother's favorite child, even though my grandmother may never admit that publicly, but you can tell. And because I, one, look like my dad, and two, have the same name as my dad, it kind of puts me in that position where, at least with my great-grandmother at the time, she looked at me a certain way, and as I got older and I was able to reflect on things, knowing that would crack me up. It was literally like the funniest thing in the world to me because it's like you never know how much power a name has until you match the power in the name with the power of the reputation, which is why it's always good to carry yourself with respect and 
treat people the way that you want to be treated. Now, on the flip side, my great-grandmother on my mom's side, a.k.a. Nana, I didn't really get to be around Nana like that because when I was young, I lived with my grandmother on my dad's side, and I was only really around my mom's side of the family on the weekends. But from what I hear, my Nana was an interesting person. Um, I only really have like two memories of her. One memory of her. No, I take that back. I have three memories of my Nana. One memory of her was when I was little and we would go over to her nursing home or wherever she was living at. And she had this like bedside. It was like a bedside. Portable toilet for the elderly. Is the best way I could put it. Because just like you potty train kids with like the little miniature toilets, it was like that, but for the elderly. And I ain't going to lie, as a little kid, I thought it was the coolest thing because it sat on like these metal rails and it was just different to me. So I would like sit on it, not knowing what it was. But now that I'm older and can look back, I absolutely know that that was a bedside toilet for the elderly or whatever so that she didn't have to risk like trying to make it all the way to the restroom or whatever but I remember going to her room in the nursing home and sitting on that and talking to her or whatever um I also remember the last day that I saw her alive which was crazy because everybody on my mom's side had went to visit her that day and um me, my mom, my step-pops, and my older brother was the last ones to go visit her. And when we walked in, it was my mom, my stepdad, my older brother, and then me. And I'm kind of like holding on to my older brother's shirt, walking through the door. And all I hear is, come give me a kiss. This little, old, frail, light-skinned lady is talking to me. Because either she knew that we were coming or once she saw my mom, she knew that I was there. But I hadn't seen my nana in a couple years, so I didn't think that she was going to know me. Like, I barely remembered her or whatever. But when she said that, I walked from around my brother, gave her a hug and a kiss. And um, we sat there for however long we sat there for hugged and kissed her and then we went on about our business and the third memory isn't so pleasant as the first two but the third memory is of her death because we left my nana that night the next morning i wake up and my mom's crying crocodile tears and my mom like a pretty strong woman so to see her crying crocodile tears was amazing to me like i thought something was wrong i knew something was wrong and I asked my mama what happened, and she said, Nana died. And to be like eight or nine years old and kind of know about death, but not really fully grasp it, it was crazy because in my head, there was no way that this woman died, seeing as how we had just seen her the night before. But we got up that day, got dressed, um... I had to go back to my grandmother 
on my dad's side's house that night so that I could go to school for the week or whatever. But before my mom took me back to my grandmother, we went back over to the nursing home. My grandmother, my aunties, and I want to say my uncle was there, but I might be wrong about my uncle being there. But um, I know my grandmother and my aunties were there, and my great-grandma, my nana, she was the first person, first dead body I had ever seen up close at that time in my life. If I had seen others, I was too young to remember, but she was the first person who I remember seeing, like, as a dead body. And it was pretty trippy because... This is somebody you love. This is a relative. Like, to be a kid and see a dead body and it's a relative. Um, I remember that was, like, the craziest thing to me. But I think the dopest part about all of it was the fact that, from what we were told, she basically passed away in her sleep. It wasn't a painful death. It wasn't like it was a heart attack. It wasn't like it was um, anything violent or whatever. She passed away in her sleep, which was dope. And I always said, um, as I got older, if I ever or when I pass away and it's my time to go, that I would want to go in my sleep like my great-grandmother did. Because to me, that was like the most peaceful thing in the world. Like, I just couldn't imagine going any other way than in my sleep. Like, it was something so cool about that to me because, you know, with with everything that goes on in life and in the world, shit, I don't know about y'all, but I damn sure ain't trying to go no other way. I mean, we never know how we gonna go, but if I could put my vote in, you know, if I could tap God on the shoulder and whisper in his ear, or if I could call Jesus and tell him put in a good word for me, Shit, take me in my sleep. Or at least take me after I've done something I always loved doing. Maybe not eating, though. I don't want to die, like, after eating my favorite food or whatever. But take me in my sleep for sure. Um, Now this is where it's going to get colorful. Because now I'm going to talk about my grandmothers. So, I'm going to start with my dad's mom. Um, better yet, no, let's rewind. One of my favorite comedians, D.L. Hughley, he got this, um, this joke from the Kings of Comedy where he says, your mean grandmama live forever and your nice grandmama die young, basically. And of my two grandmothers, I would definitely say that that's true. Because my quote-unquote mean grandmother, which would be my dad's mom, is still alive at this point in time. And my cool grandmother or my nice grandmother, which would be my mom's mom, has been gone now for a few years. Now, when I say that my dad's mom is my mean grandmother, I don't mean that she's a mean person. What I mean by that is... My dad's mom, my granny Chambers, being that my parents were split up, I lived with her, my dad, my aunts, whatever, in the early part of my life. 
my granny Chambers was like the disciplinarian. Um, she was from Mississippi, from Mississippi in a time where one, it wasn't so cool for black people to be black people. Let's just be honest. And she was also from Mississippi in a time, in a generation where respect was big and you was going to mind somebody, as the old folks say. Uh, my granny Chambers raised me that way, if we being quite honest. Um, you know, a child should stay in a child's place, speak when spoken to, um, be seen and not heard type thing. And for all intents and purposes, I will absolutely give her credit and you know, it's just due, it's well-deserved credit because my grandmother gave me what I needed or at least the foundation of what I needed to be able to grasp the concept of how to respect my elders. Um, and especially not only respecting my elders, but respecting my elders as far as their different age brackets. Because it's one thing to respect your parents it's another to respect your aunts and uncles. It's another to respect like general authority figures over your life. It's another thing to respect people of your grandparents' age. But the older and older you get, as far as respecting elders goes, you know, everybody either don't know how to do it or wasn't taught how to do it the proper way. Or flat out common sense just ain't so damn common. But my granny definitely gave me the tools I needed to where I could represent myself and my family properly. Being in any room with people older than me, no matter what the age range is. But if we're talking about my granny as a person, um, she's a beautiful woman. Um, to this day, my granny is probably one of the funniest people. I know because my granny grew up at a time where technology was really only like house phones, radios, TVs, and maybe like a couple typewriters or computers. Whereas my era of life, I've gotten to see technology evolve in many different ways from brick cell phones and beepers to T-Mobile sidekicks, iPhones, iPads, and everything that we have today in 2020. But my grandmother, for the longest, she had an old flip phone. Like, you would have thought she was a drug dealer because she was not trying to come around the technology at all in any way, shape, or form. But thanks to one of my younger cousins... She now has an iPhone. So sometimes when me and my granny text message each other, she's sending emojis and gifts. And I just get a crack out of my granny finally coming around to technology. Um, other than our relationship now that I'm grown, when I was growing up, my granny, my granny Chambers was easily probably one of my favorite cooks because it really was almost like nothing that she could make that tasted horrible. Like, my granny could cook just about anything under the sun and make it taste good. 
I've never been with my granny chambers and had a horrible meal. Um, other than that, when I think about my grandma, my granny chambers, um, I would probably have to say that one thing she always tried to do too was make sure that I always kept in my head like images of my dad because no matter what I did if it was something that my dad would have said or did or it reminded her of him she'd start laughing and she would say oh my god you remind me of your dad or your dad would have said that your dad would have did that your dad was the same way when he was younger and he used to bother me for a while because I knew I had a dad I knew we had the same name. Um, me and my dad was close when I was like a young kid. But there was a period of time when my dad wasn't around and I didn't know why. Which we'll talk about that on a later episode. But my dad wasn't around. I didn't know why. And uh, hearing that I was just like him frustrated me to like the end of the earth. Because I always wondered how I could be like somebody that I didn't really know. But, you know, my granny, like, had pictures around the house of when he was younger. And she would tell me stories about my dad, my aunts, and my uncle. And, you know what I'm saying? She's, even though she's the strict one, you ain't really finna have no whole lot of fun with her. You know what I'm saying? She old school to the core. She is a beautiful soul. So even though I say she's my main granny, like I love my granny, one of the reasons why I've always aspired to quote unquote be rich and famous is because I always wanted to take care of my family and make sure that like my granny chamber's house was paid for and stayed in the family. My grandma Huffman house is paid for and stayed in the family. You know, my mom good, my aunt's good, my uncle's good. Like I never really wanted to be rich and famous for me. I always wanted to be rich and famous so that my family was straight because I love my family so much, and I just wanted them to be straight, whatever that meant. Now, as an adult, or even as time went on, and I got to understand what that meant on a deeper level, it meant that I wanted to secure the future of my family financially for years and generations to come. So hopefully with what I'm doing now with the podcast and other adventures that I want to get into, I reach that level and I can make sure that my family is set financially for years and generations to come. Because for everything my loved ones have done for me, the least I could do is show them some form of a token of appreciation. On my mom's side, though, my granny that I love, love my heart. Um, that would be my grandma Huffman. Now, my grandma Huffman got four kids. She got three girls and a boy. My uncle Ray Ray is the youngest. Dennis, my auntie Bay, my auntie Danita, and my mama's the oldest. So my granny had four kids. I want to say her four kids had. Let me see. My mama had three. My auntie Danita had one. My auntie Babe got two. My uncle Ray Ray got three. 
So three plus one is four plus two is six plus three is nine. So out of four kids, my granny got nine grandkids. But my brother has two kids and my sister has a daughter. So that's three great grandkids. And if she was alive today, knowing her, I know my granny will also count my girlfriend's son, which you could say is my stepson, but I don't call him my stepson. It ain't no steps involved. That's my son, too. So I know my granny would count my son in that bunch as well. So it's all these people come from this one lady. And she probably easily got to have the most beautiful soul of any person I ever seen. Um, I remember seeing as how I'm one of the older grandkids and great grandkids. Um, I remember when I was younger, I would go to my mama house for the weekend, end up with either my granny or my auntie. But whenever I was around my granny, I was like super quiet and shy. And I remember my granny would like pull me to the side and be like, hey, what's up? And I'd be like, then just watching TV. And she would be like, you all right? And I'd be like, yeah, why? She'd be like, I'm just checking on you. And um, she'd say something funny to make me laugh. And then she'd give me a hug and a kiss on the cheek and go on about whatever she was doing. And it was so funny because shit, normally this would happen in the midst of her cooking or watching TV or cleaning the house or whatever because my granny was like a neat freak. Like, ain't nobody clean like my granny. You could have some shoes two, three years old, and they was whiter than cocaine or snow when you bought them. But now they off-white like they've been in the dirt a little bit. Take them to my granny, and she going to have them brand new like they fresh off the assembly line. She going to have them things back right and back white. Like, there wasn't nobody like my granny. And the crazy thing is everything that she done, she done while drinking a cup of coffee and smoking a cigarette, or she done while drinking a Coke and smoking a cigarette. Like, my granny was my everything, bro. Like, when I tell you, um, my grandma Huffman, whenever came time for, like, Thanksgiving, I love my granny Chambers, but I was hoping I went to my grandma husband's house and was with my mama for Thanksgiving because I remember one year for Thanksgiving, I probably was like 12 or 13. My uncle hadn't went in the Navy yet. My uncle and my brother used to smoke weed real heavy. But I remember one year for Thanksgiving in my granny house on the back service porch, where the washer and dryer was, on top of the washer and dryer, she had four pies on each thing. She had four pies on the washer, four pies on the dryer. Me and my uncle was back there looking at them pies, and I remember we looked at each other and was like, man, how is we finna get a piece of these pies but not get in trouble for this shit? And I remember we laughed and, like, kept it moving because we knew if we even got caught looking at them pies for too long, somebody was finna come tell us to get away from the shit. But Thanksgiving at my granny house, I still remember 
the rolls she used to buy and put them in the oven just to put a little toast on them real quick, brown them a little bit. I remember the way the greens tasted, the way the yams tasted, the stuffing, the ham with the pineapple on it, the turkey. You know what I'm saying? I remember watching either my granddad, my stepdad, or my brother cut the turkey and the ham up. You know what I'm saying? I remember all the prayers for them Thanksgivings. It wasn't nothing like that to me. Like, my granny used to outdo herself with everything she did. Like, and then the funny thing was, my granny birthday, Christmas Eve. My mama birthday, Christmas Eve. And... I always knew this because whenever I was with my mom for Christmas and we celebrate our birthday, of course, we celebrate my granny's birthday. But when it really sat in and I really realized what was going down, I think I was like 13 or 14 and I was messing with my granny one day. I said, Granny, can I ask you a question? And she was like, what? I said, so your birthday Christmas Eve, right? And she was like, yeah. I was like, and my mama birthday Christmas Eve, right? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, what was you thinking having a baby on your birthday? Like, you couldn't have planned that no better? And I just remember my granny laughing and telling me to shut up. Because, you know, I was always the kid to, like, push the envelopes and whatnot. Even if it meant I was going to take a risk and possibly get in trouble for it. I was all like, I like joking. I like laughing. So... I just remember that moment and um, my granny just laughing. And then I also remember it was this one year where we had moved to Corona, me, my mom, my dad. I mean, me, me, my mom, my pops and my brother. And uh, okay, so for those of y'all that don't know, I sometimes, a lot of times call my stepdad pops or dad or whatever. So when I say me, my mom, my dad, and my brother, I'm referring to me, my mom, my stepdad, and my brother. But me, my mom, my stepdad, and my brother had moved to Corona. My granny, my aunties, my little cousins that was alive at the time, they all came over for uh, Christmas Eve for my mom and my granny's birthday. And I remember my mama had this friend whose birthday was somewhere close to my mom and my granny birthday and this one year they decided to uh to prank gift each other and it was so funny because we had this tradition where we always let my mom and my granny go first with opening their gifts and my mama had this friend who gave her her gift in a box in a box in a box in a box, in a box, in a box. And all of these boxes were wrapped. And i never forget, my granny opened her gifts. My mama started opening her gifts. My mama get to this gift that got a million boxes wrapped around it. And it's taking my mama forever to actually get to the damn gift. And one of my little cousins was like, Man, can we open our gifts now? Because T.T. is still opening her gift, and I want to open mine. <laughs> it's like the funniest shit ever. And my granny just, like, hugged my cousin. And my cousin chilled out or whatever, and then a couple minutes later, eventually my mama finally got to the damn gift. But 
it was something by my granny where she always had this way of like making you feel special, whoever you were, whichever grandkid, great grandkid, or whoever she was looking at. Like she always had a make a way of making you feel special, which is probably one of the dopest things I always love about my granny, cause it was times when I would get sick, wouldn't want to take no medicine. Couldn't nobody give me take no medicine. Here come my granny. You know, I know you don't want to be sick. I don't want you to be sick. Take this medicine. All right. Or the couple times that I ended up in the hospital behind my sickle cell since I was born with sickle cell anemia. You know, after a while, you be in the hospital enough, you get to taste hospital food. You really ain't trying to go to no damn hospital. It's nothing fun about getting poked with a needle by a nurse that can't find a goddamn vein. It's nothing fun about being in a hospital bed trying to sleep, and all you hear is the machine that monitor your heart going boop, boop, boop. There's nothing fun about that shit. So I never looked forward to it whenever my sickle cell pain got that bad to where I ended up in the hospital. Never looked forward to going, but the one person who could get me to go Unless I was just like in excruciating pain and was ready to go. The one person who could get me to go was absolutely my grandmother. Because um, I always felt like when it came to my granny, my granny just loved me. And that might sound weird, but I always felt like my granny just loved me. Like I was her favorite person on earth. I don't know why. I probably wasn't. But... You know, I always felt like I was. So whenever my granny would hit me with the, hey, I know you in pain. Go to the hospital, please. I would just be like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and go. I'm not going to tell you no. Because I always had this thing, like, I never really liked telling my granny no for nothing. And I don't know why that is, but it was just something about her. I never liked telling her no. Um... I never wanted to let her down or make her disappointed in me or whatever. And it was just something about her. She was like the dopest person ever. Um, Which, ironically, later in life, I was a young man in like my late teens, early 20s. And uh, I was struggling, trying to figure it out. Doing the typical, like, teenage, early 20-year-old shit that you do. And I remember having a conversation with my granny one day, which would turn out to be the last conversation we had face-to-face. And she was like, you so smart and so gifted, but what you're doing right now, you're not living up to your full potential, and I'm disappointed in you. And when she told me that, when she told me she was disappointed in me, that shit broke my heart. And, uh... It kind of sent me, like, into this weird, like, zone in a sense that I don't know exactly what my granny thought about me. I don't know exactly what my granny thought about my younger cousin Cameron. I don't know what my granny thought about my mama, my aunties, my uncle, my other cousins, my sister, my nieces, my nephew, none of that. I don't know what she thought about none of them. None of us, really. 
but I always felt like for some reason my granny worried about me and my little cousin Cameron the most. Like, she wanted us to succeed the most. And um, when she told me she was disappointed in me, that shit broke my heart. And ever since then, I always tried to live my life in a way that I felt would make her proud. And I remember when she died, it was like the craziest shit. Because at the time, I was living in Houston, Texas with my older brother. And I remember my mama calling me and was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And, you know, whenever your mama, hell, whenever a woman, as a young man, whenever your mama or whenever a woman tell you they need to talk, nothing good is coming out of that shit. I don't care what nobody say. So when my mama said she needed to talk to me, um, I remember in my head, I'm like, shit, what now? Because I felt like it was some shit I did or didn't do that she wanted to get on me about. Or, you know, she was just going to hit me with some typical mom shit. And I want to say I was on my way to work at the time. Matter of fact, I know I was on my way to work. And my mom told me that. My granny was in the hospital. She had fallen. Some other shit had happened. My auntie came home and called the 911 and they put her in the ambulance and took her to the hospital. And she was in the hospital on life support. And shit wasn't looking too good. And I remember that shit fucked me up. Like, I didn't know how I was finna go to work for eight hours and this shit is on my mind. And uh, it was the craziest shit because my granny is on my mind. The only thing that I could think of is this last conversation that I had with her face to face and her telling me she was disappointed in me. And then I felt bad and I felt guilty for not calling and talking to her that much after I had moved from California to Texas. And so that shit fucked me up. And it was fucking dumb crazy because for a week, I'm going to work mad as shit every day. Angry than a motherfucker. The slightest shit is setting me off. Like, to the point where I'm working in a restaurant at the time and I remember my coworkers would do shit or say shit, and it would piss me off. And, you know, we work in a restaurant. You obviously work around silverware. So I'm like, motherfucker, you finna piss me off. And, you know, if a week is seven days, probably by, like, day two of this week, like, the, the day after my mama had called me, that was probably when I told, like, my supervisor, my coworkers what happened and shit. And I'm trying to figure out, like, if my grandmother going to live or is she going to die? And I just remember my coworkers would do shit to piss me off. And I would be sitting there looking at niggas in the face with, like, this blank stare. Hoping that they seen it and hoping that they realized they was pissing me off. Because I'm really looking going, my nigga, you do know there's a knife right there. Like, I fuck your shit up. Like, I'm going through some shit and you want to say some goofy shit, like, that's unimportant. And I just remember being at work, having to, like, walk away from a lot of shit and, like, let things go because none of that, none of that shit was really important. And 
by the end of this week, I remember my mama called me and she was like, hey, just so you know, um, we're going to take granny off the life support or whatever. And this is probably the one week of my life where I could legit say I hated my mom's guts because her timing was the worst. I was either like just getting off of work and she was calling or I was getting ready to go into work and she was calling and telling me this shit. So it's like one phone call. Your granny's in the hospital. We don't know if she going to make it. The other phone call. We're about to take your grandmother off life support. Just great. Perfect. Go ahead, fam. I can't even. I can't even hold you on that one. Just go ahead and do you, champ. <laughs> like, I got nothing for that. And eventually, me, my brother, my niece, my nephew, my ex-sister-in-law, we drive from Texas to California for my granny's funeral. And um, I never forget my grand. like. Before my granny died, I can't say that I ever went to a wake or a viewing of the body of anybody. But I know for sure when my granny died, I wasn't going to hers. There was n- no, uh-uh, not finna happen. No fucking way. You know, my everybody else in the family went. I couldn't do that shit. I was ready to nut up. But I just remember... When it was time for the actual funeral, I remember looking around at my family or whatever. And I put things into context because me and my mom weren't always super close. But I just remember looking at my family and going, my uncle got his wife and kids to lean on. My auntie babe got her two boys to lean on. My auntie Danita got her son and her dude to lean on. My brother got, you know, at the time, his wife and his kids to lean on. And I probably ain't really grieved my granny correctly because looking at that shit, I was like, my mom ain't really got nobody. My mom was single at the time. So... I was like, I got to be strong for my mama. So, um, I just remember trying to make sure, like, my mom was straight or whatever while we was in California for that. And I also remember another reason why I was loony, loonier than the goddamn Looney Tunes is because when we got to California and we putting together the, um, the obituary, um, you know, my mama, my aunties, and my uncle, they wrote something for the obituary from her kids. But me and my brother, being the two oldest grandkids, and, and my sister, whatever, even though my older sister is actually adopted, but me, my brother, my sister, being the oldest grandkids and shit, like, we had to figure out what we was going to write from the grandkids and the great-grandkids. And ironically, my older brother ended up telling me to write the shit because when my great-grandmother died, when when my nana died, 
I had wrote a poem and they put it in her obituary. So when my granny died, like I said, my brother was like, hey, you the one that can write, bro. You write raps and poems and stories and all this. You write this from us and whatever you write, we going to go with it. And I remember looking at him like, gee, thanks, bro. I didn't want to have to do this shit again because now I could fully grasp what's going on. When I wrote for my nana, I was like nine years old. I just wrote a poem about somebody that I love not being here no more. But I'm not fully grasping the concept of death, life, afterlife and all of that. And I just remember looking at my mama when my brother told me to write the the piece for my granny eulogy. I mean, for her obituary. I remember looking at my mama going, hey, when you kick the bucket, just know I'm not writing another one of these. <laughs> and that was like the funniest shit. Like we all laughed or whatever. And uh, I wrote the piece for my granny obituary, but I didn't really want to write that shit. Like I've never said that out in the open till now, but I didn't really want to write that shit, bro. Like, I just wanted to be in a dark room and cry. I remember when we left California and got back to Texas, shit, I tried to stay in my room as much as possible. Like, dark room, because all I could remember and hear in my head, other than the good times, was how loud her voice sounded in my head now that she was gone, when she told me she was disappointed in me. And that shit fucked me up to the core because if you know me, you know that I have tattoos. My very first tattoo was my granny's name, which is ironic because when I got my grandma Huffman name tatted on my chest, I was living with my grandma Chambers, which me having gotten that tattoo while living with my grandma Chambers, I could have easily got kicked out of her house because she old-fashioned. She don't believe in earrings and tattoos and all of that stuff. And so for my granny name to be my first tattoo and now my granny to be gone, the only way that I could think of getting over that pain was going and getting tatted. Because by this time, when my granny died, I had one, two, I had three tattoos. My granny name was on my chest. I had to wear a strength and a dog paw on my left wrist. And I had to wear honor and dog paw on my right wrist. Which people ask me all the time, like, what's the significance of the dog paws? And I used to say... It was, I got the dog paws tatted just because I wanted to feel extra pain, which is true. When I got the strength and honor on my wrist, I only got the dog paws, like, to feel extra pain and to make it look, like, halfway manly, so to speak, for lack of a better way to put it. Because I didn't want to just have two tattoos on my wrist. I thought people would look at me weird for that. But when my granny died, I went and... I got this sleeve tattooed on my left arm, which my granny died. I was 24, but the concept of the sleeve on my left arm came from when I was like 13 or 14. It was a tattoo that I had designed before I ever had tattoos because one of the people who influenced me to get tattoos or who I thought was super cool for having tattoos was Allen Iverson, the basketball player. 
and he's tatted up. And I always wanted to be tatted like that. And um, the sleeve on my arm at the top on my shoulder blade, it says, and the rose goes too. And then throughout my arm are the names of the majority of the important women in my life from my great grandmothers to my grandmother, my mom, my godmother, my aunts, a couple like real close friends, my god sister, um, one of my nieces and my goddaughter. And the only thing that sucks about this tattoo for me is that the I couldn't fit all of the names and all of the detail that I wanted on this sleeve. So I just had to pick a certain um a certain group of people, which is ironic because some people wouldn't have made it no way, but there are some people that should have made it that I had to leave off because I'm not the biggest guy. It's not like I have a seven foot wingspan and could just fit a bunch of names and roses in detail on my arm. But after my granny died, I went and got my sleeve started. Went and got my sleeve done. It took like two or three sessions. Probably one of the most painful tattoos I got because of where some of the detail work is. But easily one of my favorite tattoos just because of the significance and the timing of it. Um, Since getting my sleeve done, I've gotten more tattoos and... I actually added to my grandmother's name on my chest and made my chest a tribute to my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and my mama. Um, it's pretty dope. If, if you ever pay attention to my social media, you'll definitely see um, that chest piece dedicated to those three women. And uh, I know when when I got my chest piece done, when it was finally finished, I had told my mom that I got it, but I hadn't been around her without having a shirt on. So the first time I was around my mom and wasn't wearing a shirt and she realized I got my chest piece done, she was like, you got more tattoos? Like, are you ever going to stop? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, wait a minute, what do that say? And she looked close. And she realized, like, I got her favorite Bible scripture on one part of my chest. Then I got a rosary around my neck for my great-grandmother because my nana was raised Catholic. And my nana is actually one of the few black people buried in a Catholic cemetery back home in L.A. And then my granny, I got her name, but over the top of her name, I have, like, the continent of Africa with, like, some details to it where it's basically calling her my African queen because I feel like the women in my family are the most beautiful women on earth. Nobody can never call them ugly. And you damn sure not going to call them ugly in front of me because then it's going to be an issue. But the women in my family are the most beautiful women on earth to me. The women that are my friends that are close to me are the most beautiful women on earth to me. My significant other, my girlfriend's most beautiful women on earth to me. And I'm going to always protect their beauty, their femininity, and what they are because no matter what nobody say, women take the most shit from the world. But without women, we wouldn't have the world. Let that marinate. We'll be right back with the rest of the podcast. 
Yo, what up? It's your main man, the guy Kenny. We back right now. So, now I'm going to kind of tell y'all about my aunties. I got two aunts on my mom's side. And I have two aunts on my dad's side. But on my dad's side, in reality, I have more than two aunts. My grandfather on my dad's side had other kids outside of my grandmother, but I didn't meet any of them till I was older. So the two aunts on my dad's side of the family that I'll be talking about right now come from my dad's mom and his dad, which would be my grandmother and grandfather from when they were together. So on my dad's side, you got my Auntie Barbara and my Auntie Amy. Um, My Auntie Amy is like a mirror image of my granny. Like, if my granny say something, my Auntie Amy gonna go along with it without question. And if you go against it, my Auntie Amy gonna wanna hold a grudge. It's like the funniest shit ever. Um, My Auntie Amy in her own right is a dope person though. She, um, She has a beautiful personality. You got to get used to it, though, because her sense of humor different. Like, her sense of humor broken. Like, she got the... My Auntie Amy is probably about as funny as a box of sandpaper. Like, but once you get around her and you get her talking about things that, like, she interested in or something that she passionate about, like, you might learn something. And if you engage her on something that she's willing to engage in you might if you're a captivating enough person you could hold her attention but growing up my auntie amy like she was like my mama that wasn't my mama but she was also like the square auntie it wasn't too much like joking or playing with my auntie amy But the one thing about my Auntie Amy that was dope is when I started getting older and, like, listening to music, especially rap music, I wasn't allowed to listen to music with cussing in it. So I had to buy the clean or edited version of any and every CD or tape that I wanted. But I never forget when I found out who Nelly was. And I'm talking about country grammar Nelly. Like... I'm going down, down, baby. Yo, street in a Range Rover. Boom, boom, baby. That Nelly. When I found out who he was, and I started listening to him, and I introduced my aunt to him, Nelly became my aunt's favorite rapper. And to this day, I feel like if my aunt ever meet Nelly, she's going to lose her mind. Because my aunt is very pretty high yellow, light-skinned woman. Nelly is like a caramel complected dude, like kind of light-skinned, not really dark-skinned. And he muscular or whatever, like something about his wavy hair, his muscles, and his complexion, she always loved. And I think it was like the one gold tooth he had. I don't know if he still got it, but I remember when he was a kid, or when I was a kid and he first came out, he had this one gold tooth. I don't know, but I think it was a gold tooth that she was in love with. Like, the wavy hair, the pearly whites, and the one gold tooth, and the country accent. 
I think that's what she was in love with the most. Um, other than that, my aunt didn't really care for no rappers or no entertainers. My aunt used to always talk trash about all of the basketball players because we used to watch basketball a lot together. And she used to always talk trash about all the basketball players that had tattoos or whatever. And she would call them thugs and whatnot. And it's so funny because in 20, 2019, we had a family reunion on my dad's side. And before the actual family reunion started, I was at my grandmother's house. And my uncle, my aunt, and they two boys was in town from the East Coast. My dad's oldest sister, my auntie Barbara, was in town from the East Coast. And so this is like the first time you ever had me, my dad, my uncle, and my two little cousins in the same room. And it's the first time I've been around my little cousins since they had been grown. Last time we was around each other, we was all kids. But so when you look at me, I got my ears pierced. I got a beard. I got tattoos. You look at my little cousins. My little cousins got their ears pierced. They both got, you know, facial hair, beards, or whatever. They players don't make a sci-fi. You know what I'm saying? Like they daddy, so I, they may or may not have gotten branded or whatever when they pledged. But they was also in the tattoos. They just hadn't got any yet. And it's the funniest thing. So I remember my... Me and my little cousins is talking about tattoos and whatnot, and they see all the ink I got, and they was like, so what hurt? Like, what area you think hurt the most? And we talking about this or whatever, and my aunt just look up at all three of us and go, mm, 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 defacing the temple. What do y'all got to say for yourself? And me and my little cousins looked at each other, and then looked at her, and then we looked at each other, and we start dying laughing. The funniest shit on earth, like... I know my aunt was hot, but she was just being hurt. Like, to her, we her nephew, she loved us, but she was disappointed that we didn't went and got tattoos and got our ears pierced. On the flip side, my auntie Barbara, that's like our favorite auntie. We probably not supposed to say that, but my auntie Barbara is the cool auntie. She knows all the rap songs. You know what I'm saying? She's going to play board games with us or try and ride bikes with us or play sports with us. She's going to take us to, uh, when I was younger, she would take me to like the Sickle Cell Foundation celebrity basketball games and we would go do all this different stuff together. And when she moved to the East Coast and my uncle was already living on the East Coast, she did the same thing with my little cousins. Like my auntie Barbara is legit our favorite auntie and we probably not supposed to say that, but we do. But it's okay because my Auntie Amy know that we love her. She just not the fun auntie. Like, my Auntie Barbara is, like, the dopest person ever. She's so loving and caring. Like, she's one of them type of people where, as cliche as it sounds, if you need it, she'll give you the shirt off her back. She's an instrumental part in a lot of people's lives. Like, she's an overall dope person. I don't care how old I get. I don't care how much money I make. I don't care how successful I am. My Aunt Barbara is definitely one person for sure that I cannot get brand new with. You just can't. Like, 
one of the dopest, genuine, most pure souls walking the face of the earth. Um, on my mama's side, you got my auntie babe and my auntie Danita. Um, I'm gonna start with my auntie Danita because it's the easiest. And, you know, if you know my family, you've been around my family, then you, you gonna understand what I mean by this when I say this. But my auntie Danita wasn't always around in my childhood. But nonetheless, that's still my auntie and I love her. So my auntie Danita, like my memories of her are a little bit different than probably like my younger cousins or my nieces and nephews. But you know, I still love her. She's a hell of a character. You spend like five, ten minutes with her. She gonna have you laughing so hard your stomach gonna hurt. But um, my auntie babe though. My mama's youngest sister, she's just like my auntie Barbara. Like, my auntie baby, my auntie Barbara is easily my two favorite aunties out of all the aunties I got. Because when I was younger, um, I would come to my mama's house for the weekend when I was living with my grandmother. And I would spend time with my mama, of course, but I spent a lot of time with my auntie baby, my granny. And so, like, my auntie babe is, like, the fun auntie. Like, no lie, my auntie babe was pregnant with my little cousin Cameron. And me and my auntie babe used to play, fight, and wrestle while she was pregnant with my little cousin Cameron. And she just, like, I don't know how you could be around her and have a bad day. Like, she has an infectious personality. She's kind of like... She's kind of like the uh, the pit bull of the family. She gonna she gonna try and protect everybody to the best of her abilities. She gonna try and look out for everybody to the best of her abilities. Um, lately, you know, since my grandmother's been gone, I always say that my mom looks the most like my granny, but my auntie babe acts the most like my granny, like. My auntie babe embodies the same spirit of my grandmother. Like, my auntie babe and my granny is definitely a treasure of the family. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, strong, beautiful black woman, been through a lot in her life. Somebody that I would never turn my back on. Somebody that I always want to make sure she's straight. Somebody that I watched her be. A dope mom to her two boys, somebody that really and truthfully everybody should aspire to be like. She got a heart of gold, and it may go uh, unappreciated at times. But my auntie babe is definitely a person that, man, you be around her, and it's hard not to love her. Like, she's a beautiful person, man. She can make anything fun. She got a sense of humor. She don't take herself too serious. Um, just an all-around dope person. I can't say enough good shit about my auntie, man. Um, it's something about the women in my life and my family. Like, the most beautiful people you could ever, ever, ever meet. 
uh, continuing on with the influence of the women in my life and how dope they are. Next up, I think I'm going to go with my older sister. My older sister, Catrice, is my sister on my mama's side. Um, Like I said before in this episode, my older sister is actually adopted. Um, Her mom and my mom was friends. And when her mom was sick, her mom made my mom promise to always look out for her. And uh, from then on, it been like, shit, that's just your older sister. And you know, your mom and your daddy tell you something, you're not really finna question it when you're a certain age. You're just gonna go with it. But my older sister is probably one of the funniest people I know. And the reason why I say that is because, let me see, my older brother is six years older than me. So my older sister's probably like nine, ten years older than me. But my older sister is literally just like my mama. Well, at least in my eyes. My older sister is like just like my mama, but she's like the more fun version of my mama. Like my older sister got tattoos just like me. Um, she wanna she's another person who I seen with tattoos and that shit made me want tattoos. So, hey Ma, if you ever wonder why I always was into tattoos, you can start with your daughter and look to the celebrities, whether basketball players or rappers that had tattoos that I liked growing up, and you got your answer. That's what did it. But um, my older sister is just like my mom, but she's like the more fun version of my mom. Like, she don't take herself too serious. You know what I'm saying? She's always smiling. Shit, really and truthfully, I don't think I've ever seen my older sister mad about shit, ever. Hell, the only time I didn't like my older sister is I was on punishment, snuck out the house, my mama called and was like, what's going on? My older sister told her I had left the damn house, came back, and the punishment got worse. Like, that was the only one time in my life I did not like my older sister. But other than that, like, she's always been dope. Like, like I know I could go to her about anything. I mean, I don't go to her about certain shit, but I know that I could. But it's like with our age gap... I think for me, it's just one of them things like that's my older sister, so I'm a lover, respecter, and protector or whatever. But I mean, it's different having an older sister than having an older brother. Gillian older brother gonna have similarities, gonna have more in common is that a third. Other than maybe like entertainment like the things you like to do to be entertained the things you like to do in your spare time it's kind of hard to have similarities with your older sister when you're a young man but my older sister's dope people so she's a great mom um she's raising my niece to be an outstanding young woman and my niece is literally like my older sister's twin which is fucking out of this world because it's like i ain't get to grow with my older sister But I get to watch her grow up while watching my niece. Because what my older sister got from her mom as well as our mom and what she's gotten out of life, she's putting that in my niece. And my niece has grown up to be a beautiful, smart, well-rounded young woman.
who we are proud of. Um, and that's my niece, Deja. My other niece, Ayana, which is my brother's daughter. I don't know what she going to do when she get older. But whatever she going to do, she's going to be fucking amazing at the shit. Um, when she was a baby, she didn't really too much care for me. Because I think at the time when my when Ayana was a baby, I was a teenager, so I'm doing different things with my hair, doing different things with my facial hair. So I don't think she could ever really, like, just get comfortable with me like that. But, you know, now it's a little bit different. We see each other, mess with each other, whatever. Um, she take after her mama, so she taught, like, my nieces. I can't even tell you how old my niece is, but shit, she's pretty much taller than me at this point. So instead of Uncle Kenny picking her up and giving her piggyback rides, she's giving me a piggyback ride. Like, what do you think this is? You're younger than me, but you're three times taller than me? Fam, I love you, but whatever you do, just be great at it, man. She's not really, like, super outgoing or a people person, but... I could tell by looking at my niece when I catch her on her phone or doing things that she's interested in, whatever she chooses to do in life, she's going to be dope. Like She's a smart little girl. She takes after my brother and her mama. She's going to be successful at whatever she do. So whatever she do, whatever she need, if she ever needs something from Uncle Kenny, Uncle Kenny going to be there for her. She's a beautiful, smart young woman. Um, now at this point, we just gonna dive in and go with my mom's, mom Dukes. Um, if you know me, or if you've been around me, depending on when we met, and at what point in my life we met, you might think I hated my mom, you might think I love my mom, you might not be sure. One thing is I always respected my mom, and I've always had this thing where I will always protect my mom. Growing up, um, like I said before, my parents split up when I was young, and I didn't know like where my dad was. He wasn't around, and I didn't know the truth about his situation, which, you know, like I said talk about that on another episode of the podcast but with my mama being the only parent that I could physically put hands on um I I looked up to her a lot probably more than she ever knew probably something that she'll get a greater sense of now hearing this or whatever but mom dukes like I looked up to her, man. It wasn't no secret. Uh, I really wanted to be like my mom. My mom, I put it to you like this. A woman can't effectively raise a young man on her own, but a woman can do her best. With that being said, my stepdad's been around since I was like five or six. So, I don't count or consider my mom a single parent because my stepdad's been around for so long. But 
my mom's always kind of operated as if she was a single parent because, you know, nothing is promised. Nothing is guaranteed. There's nothing set in stone other than being born and dying to where anything in between is guaranteed. So in the event that my stepdad would have left, my mom always raised us like she was a single parent. And in the moment when I was younger, I would absolutely say it was times where my mom was too goddamn hard on us. But being a young man now and looking back on it, she was only hard on us because she didn't want the world to be that way. Because the lessons that you miss at home, the world going to teach you. And when the world teach you them lessons, they're not going to teach you out of love because the world don't give a fuck about you. The world going to keep moving with or without you. And, I mean, my mom did things like showing us her paychecks. And my mom works in IT. She's a very intelligent black woman. My mom works in a predominantly male field. My mom works in a predominantly white male field. And no matter what, my mama, I could always remember my mama showing us her paychecks to show us what it means to be able to sustain a lifestyle. My mama wanted to make sure that we understood the value of a dollar. My mama wanted to make sure that we understood that for whatever you want in life, you got to get up and work for it. It's not going to be given to you. Um, my mama wanted us to grasp the concept of the fact that nobody is better than anybody else. And as people, we're all equals. But due to the color of our skin and us being young black men, my mama wanted to make sure me and my brother understood that we was at like the bottom of the totem pole as far as society was concerned. Um... To quote D.L. Hughley, it's two things that white people hate. One is a great white shark and the other is a young black man. Like, my mama wanted to make sure that we could hold our own in life. Um, I remember my mama teaching, teaching us how to cook at a young age because even if it was only breakfast food or even if it was only something to be able to continue to survive and it wasn't nothing extravagant my mama wanted to make sure that we were self-sufficient as we could possibly be um i remember at least especially with me especially through my teenage years some of my mama's punishments was creative like i would fuck up in school or do some dumb shit around the house and my mama's making me write five paragraph essays a double space college format about whatever topic she want me to write about. My mama's making me read and copy shit out the source. My mama's picking topics for me to research on the computer and write an essay about. My mama's giving me books to read. And I mean, to be honest, that was probably like a gift and a curse because when I was younger, in elementary school, people always told me, like, I was smart. I grew up hearing I was smart. I grew up people telling me I'm too smart for my own good. And 
my mama was making me a beast in the sense of she's making me write these essays, read these books, read out the out the the source. Damn, I'm tongue tied. But you know what I'm saying my mama is like doing all of these things to make sure that you know I'm not no dummy. But when you put all that together, and she was like the perfect storm, because in my head, like school wasn't a challenge because at one point I remember literally realizing what's the point of me going to school and doing this work when these answers are in the back of the book and most of the stuff that I'm learning I'm never going to use in real life and I remember realizing that shit young like 5th or 6th grade like school wasn't a challenge school school wasn't a challenge school wasn't fun like school didn't really hold my attention if we being honest like keeping it all the way G like I remember me and my mama like going at each other and her disciplining me and me having an issue with the way she was doing it and it was all school related and I used to just be sitting there wondering like bro what is the like you mad about what like most of the classes I'm taking I'm not finna use Like, why ain't classes in school geared more towards life things? Like, I wish when I was in school we had had a class about credit and what credit was and how to build credit and how to keep credit and the different ways you could damage it or repair your credit. I wish we had had classes on balancing checkbooks and how to sustain a family or how to sustain a lifestyle. I wish it would have been classes on how to change a tire, how to fix, you know, different issues in the engine of a car. Like, shit I could really use. But instead, I'm in class and I'm learning about some shit that I ain't gonna use. The fuck I'm learning about William Shakespeare for and knowing about William Shakespeare not finna help me pay my rent when I get older. What is I'm in school learning about? Um, let me see. What used to annoy me? Why am I in school learning about uh, adjectives, nouns, pronouns, and verbs? But I'm not learning how to type a resume. Granted, By the time I got to high school and was about to graduate, I ended up taking a class or having teachers that cared enough to teach me how to write resumes. But, like, overall, just the general consensus, it's a lot of things you learn in school that you're not going to use in real life. But you got to learn it because the point to learning those things is not what you're actually learning about. The point to learning in school is learning how to be disciplined and apply yourself which I realized that as I got older. But growing up, like, I didn't care about school. Like, to be honest, I had two dreams growing up. One was to either be an athlete and play pro football, even though I didn't know how my sickle cell would would factor into that. And the other was to be a rapper slash entertainer and or entrepreneur because I always looked up to Birdman. I always looked up to 
Puff Daddy, I always looked up to Master P especially. Um, and looking up to those types of entrepreneurial guys, like, it just made me want to be like them in a the sense of they was taking care of their families. And that's all I ever really wanted to do. Like, once I realized that I wasn't going to be able to play football like I wanted, even though I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't the fastest, just nobody was finna outwork me, which was something I learned from my mom and my stepdad. In my opinion, you put them side by side in their respective fields and put anybody against my mom or my pops, nobody's outworking them. So nobody can outwork me. Nobody can outwork my brother. Nobody can outwork my sister. That's a given. Like, put us side by side up against anybody in our respective fields. Nobody's outworking us. But I remember once I realized I wasn't going to be able to play football. And I mean, I knew we wasn't. I knew we wasn't rich, but I knew we wasn't broke. But realistically speaking, I didn't know what I wanted to go to school for. And I wasn't finna try and go to school and put my parents in debt behind trying to figure it out. I thought music was my next best option. Entertainment is my next best option. Now, granted, I didn't fully apply myself like I could have or should have at the time when I was younger. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. If I knew then what I know now, my journey would have been different. And I'd have been a factor way sooner in life but I definitely had to give my mom credit for making me a beast because like I said ain't nobody finna outwork me for shit no matter what it is put me in the field let me learn about it for a little bit and I guarantee you I'm gonna be a top dog in it once I learn to apply myself but when it came to school like me and my mom used to have epic battles bro I feel like I stayed on punishment my whole teenage years like I remember I think it was my 16th birthday I got in trouble for fucking up in school. And my mom always had this thing. We didn't really do birthday parties, but on your birthday, you got to choose where you wanted to eat. You got a car. You probably got some money, whatever. Man, I remember going to eat for my 16th birthday, and that was probably the worst birthday of my life. Like, to this day, I hate that birthday because I just remember being in trouble for something I did in school and I think something I did or didn't do around the house. And that was like the most uncomfortable dinner in my life. We had went to Mimi's Cafe. I want to say it was the Mimi's in Chino, California. Like off the 71. Because we lived in Eastville, Corona, whatever you want to call it. And we always went like somewhere close. And I just remember sitting in that Mimi's like, damn, is this dinner going to be over yet? Like, I don't even want to deal with this shit no more. But, you know, growing up, my mama definitely made sure that she put her best into us so that we could be the best young men and young women that we could be. But I think with me it was a little bit different because I feel like my brother and my sister, they did what she said without questioning anything she said. Me, I ain't really had no fear. Even if it meant I was finna get in trouble, I was questioning everything because I wanted to know why. Like in school, like I said, in school, you go to school so that you can learn the discipline for what it takes to be successful so that, you know what I'm saying, you can apply what you learned in school, take that to life, 
and figure out where them two marry each other at, where they intersect at. And that's what school is all about. It's just about discipline. That's the main thing you get from school. That's the main thing you're going to learn from school. The actual specific subjects that you learn in school, some of that shit you're going to use in your real life, some you're not. But it was one of them things where, like, looking back at it, I wish I had to realize that because it would have made me and my mom relationship a lot easier. Because on the flip side, whether it was school or in life, as I got older, the things that I was learning, I would have questions. And I know my mama had answers, but maybe I asked a question in a way that she couldn't answer. Or maybe she didn't want to tell me the answer at the time because she felt like it wasn't the time for me to know the answer. But overall, like when I was young, our relationship was rocky. But as I've gotten older, I feel like I finally got into a place where my mama could be proud of me and she's happy for me. Because one thing I can honestly say is as I've gotten older, especially since I've been grown, my mama just has this thing where she's like, what I want for you is what I want for you. But I'm cool if you happy because all I really want for you is to be happy, whatever that means for you. So it's kind of like a mutual respect thing now. I feel like between me, my mama, my brother, and my sister. But no matter what, whether we was close or beefing or it was teenage bullshit and I was just smelling myself, one thing's for sure, though, it's always been fuck you if you try and fuck with my mama because, I mean, shit, you only got one mama and daddy. Well, in my case, I got two. I got a mom. I got a dad, I got a stepdad, so fuck with them, and I'm going to fuck you up. Um, Next, going down the line of important women in my life, I got to go with my goddaughter. Um, My goddaughter is six years old now. No, I take that back. My goddaughter is eight years old. My goddaughter is probably the most grown eight-year-old you will ever meet. Super funny, uh, super energetic. She's a little grown woman, a little diva. Um, uh, I I don't even know where to start with my goddaughter. I look at my goddaughter as if she's my daughter. Um, my ex-best friend... And her mom make incredibly beautiful children. I will definitely give them their credit for that. Um, This little girl, I remember when she was a baby. Um, When she was a baby, I hadn't gone to the hospital when she was born. I hadn't. Uh, gone around like early on in her life but she was probably I would say maybe like six months old and I remember I went to kick it with my ex-best friend and her mom and when I got to the house I knocked on the door bro opens the door runs back over to the bed when he runs back over to, to the bed is simultaneous to me walking through the door. 
once I get through the door, I see my goddaughter standing there on the bed, getting dressed. We about to go wherever we was going that day. And I just remember my goddaughter, uh, she had this big, huge, cheesy smile on her face. And the way they spot was set up, it was basically like a studio. So when I walk through the door, I close the door. And I walk over to the bed where my goddaughter is standing while she getting dressed while bro is putting her clothes on. And once bro put her, her shirt on, I remember my goddaughter took off running. And I wasn't, like, close to the bed, but I was walking over to the bed. So as she take off running, I'm walking towards the bed, and she jumps from the bed and jumps in my arms like she knew me her whole life. And it was like the craziest shit. So ever since then, like I've been really protective of my goddaughter as if she was my own because me and her daddy growing up, we was closer than close. Like her daddy three years older than me. So in the grand scheme of things, her daddy is like my older brother. And you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell me that like, we would get to the point where we at now, but in years past, and even now, it's always been a thing where no matter how me and him is, I never turn my back on his kids, and my goddaughter is like the most beautiful soul to me because my goddaughter, um, I remember when she was little, by her being biracial and being half black, half Mexican, my goddaughter, um, she got curly hair, and I remember she was at one point kind of like trying to figure out how to accept having curly hair, and I remember uh, she realized that I had curly hair, even though my type of curl is different than her type of curl, and I just remember my goddaughter was like, Uncle Kenny, I love your hair, like, whatever you do, don't cut it, I love your hair, your hair is so curly, like... I want my hair to be like yours. And that was a moment I remember with her being as young as she was where it was kind of like whatever she need. Granted, she got two brothers. She got an older brother. She got a younger brother now. But my goddaughter is just always special to me. She, she got a soft place in my heart. That's like... And... and I don't even know how to put it into words. Like, even now, just thinking about it, I'm kind of getting choked up. Because with my brother-daughter and with my sister-daughter, um, when they was kids, I wasn't really around them as much as I've been around my goddaughter. And they didn't always like me when they was younger. In the sense that I was Uncle Kenny, but... You know, they wasn't coming to try and play Barbies with Uncle Kenny or, you know, they wasn't trying to come play tea party with Uncle Kenny. Whereas, like, for my goddaughter, even though I was a grown man, you know, when she was born and, you know, through her life or whatever, I've been an adult for her entire life. My goddaughter, she want to play a beauty shop with Uncle Kenny. She want to play Barbies with Uncle Kenny. My goddaughter, I remember one time my goddaughter asked me because she painted my nails. 
and I let my goddaughter paint my nails, and I went to uh take the nail polish off, and I remember this was like when me and my girlfriend first got together years ago, before we had ever even broke up with each other or anything like that. I remember my girlfriend and my goddaughter mom, and they was like, you know you can't take that nail polish off, and I was like, shit, like hell, I'm finna take it off right now. And um, they was like, you know you can't take it off, because if you come in the house without the nail polish on, she's going to have a fit. And I remember thinking to myself, damn, they got a point. So for maybe like a week, a week and a half, I was going to work every day, a grown man with painted nails. And people was asking me, like, bro, you got paint, you got fingernail paint on your nails. Like, what's going on? And I was like, uh, my goddaughter asked me if she could paint my nails. So I said, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not taking it off till it, like, wear off, basically. And so everybody with kids, like, they got it. The people that didn't have kids was like, wow, that's a bit much, but okay. And I just remember, like, it meant the world to my goddaughter that I let her paint my fingernails. Um, But, yeah, like, that's my baby, though. Like, she could do no wrong in my eyes. And I think she know that no matter what happens or what go down in her life, Uncle Kenny always got her back. So my goddaughter's like super dope to me, man. Whatever she do when she get older, I know it's going to be big. Because even though she's a little girl now, she got a super big personality. And when you see her, when you see her wheel turning, so to speak, when you can tell her brain is working in, She's up to something, whether it's good or bad, you know that it's going to be entertaining. So I can't wait to see what she become when she get older. And I can't wait to see what our relationship evolves to because that's my baby, man. Like, to this day, if she hear my voice or if she see me coming, she's going to take off running and come jump in my arms like she a little kid. And it's like the funniest thing, but it's the dopest feeling because... One is dope as a human to know that another human loves you or cares about you. But to see the excitement in my goddaughter whenever I'm around, when she hear my voice or see me coming, like there's nothing like that. I think the only thing that rivals that is probably like my son. Like ever since me and my son met, he been attached to me at the hip. I can't go too many places without him following. I can't go too many places without him, like, mimicking what I'm doing or whatever. But, I mean, that's my son. It's different. He's going to be just like me, no matter what, in the best ways. Because I'm going to make sure that he only gets the best of me. Because the worst of me is behind me. I've already lived through that, and thankfully he wasn't around for it. But between my son and my goddaughter, like, them the two people that they make me smile the brightest probably because I know the love that comes from them, like, it's unconditional. And my goddaughter, I mean, I know my son loves me. I know he look up to me. But my goddaughter is something about her to where it's like, 
she's special. She'll always be special to me. My son, on the other hand, that even though he's not a junior, even though he's not biologically mine, that's little me. That's my mini-me, man. He's going to be epic in his own right. This is probably my favorite human on the face of the earth. But to close out this episode, to close out this episode of the podcast, now it's time to talk about my girlfriend, my son's mom, the woman that made me a dad. Um, to start off, I'll say that I always knew we was going to end up together. Um, for my girlfriend, it took time for her to come around to me being that guy. It took time for her to come around to us being meant for each other. But even though it's been, I've known her now for going on five years and we've been together on and off for like four We've been back together consistently now for, like, going on a year. Um, But with that said, just like my best friend, definitely my better half. And the scary thing is, like, we have moments where it's like I always dreamed of. It's like I always wanted where we could look at each other and we could know what each other thinking. Or we could look at each other and finish each other's sentences. Um, My girlfriend, I treat our relationship like a marriage. In a sense that when I was young, my step pops always told me, happy wife, happy life. And even though me and my girl not married, at least not yet, um, happy wife, happy life also applies to girlfriend, boyfriend relationships as well. Um, like I said, she like my best friend, my better half. She definitely completes me. Um, her having a son never scared me off. Um, her not always having her son with her never scared me off. Cause I always knew like we would be together and I know eventually that we would get my son back. Um, the situation behind that, I'm going to talk to her. That might be an episode of the podcast down the line. But I definitely got to give my girl credit for making me a better man. Um, I always knew that there was greatness within me. It was just a matter of how to get it out of me and how to execute it. Um My girlfriend has been a great source of motivation, and she has also been a, uh, she's been a great source of motivation, and she's also been a great way to help execute my greatness. Um, In the Bible somewhere, I don't know the exact scripture, but in the Bible somewhere it say, you know, if a man find a wife, he find favor with God, and I think God must really love me because... I got beautiful women and great women in my family. I got women that love me and care for me and pray for me in my family. And my girlfriend's just the extension of that. Um, The funniest thing is with 
all of the breakups and, you know, getting back together and breaking up again and getting back together that we've done and the amount of time that we've known each other to hear where we at now and how my girlfriend is now is the funniest thing because my girlfriend literally like, you mentioned my name and you got to be careful how you mention my name because she going to feel some type of way. There's been situations where my girlfriend has noticed things before I noticed them and her feeling the way she felt about the situation made me love her more. It made me respect her more. And it made me sit back and analyze myself as a man because one thing that I learned from watching my pops or uh, my biological dad or my older brother, my uncle, and some of the other great men that I've been able to learn from in my life is if you don't carry yourself a certain way, if you don't respect yourself and respect others and handle your business as a man, you know, whatever that means to you, you can't expect your woman to respect you. If you don't make your woman feel safe and secure, loved and protected, your woman's not going to be what she's going to. Your woman's not going to be what she's supposed to be. Let me say it like that. Because if you think about it, you give a woman sperm, she's going to give you a baby. You give a woman a house, she's going to make it a home. You give a woman a stove, she's going to make you a meal. Like, life wouldn't be the same for men without women at all. And my girl's probably, like, the greatest when it comes to that. Because, you know, it's taking some time. But over these last few years... I've gotten to really get to know her and see sides of her where I could tell, which I always knew was there, but, you know, getting to see it executed is dope. But, like, these sides of her that I've gotten to see, like, you could tell she was raised right. You could tell the morals is there. She stand on something. She feel a certain type of way. She's standing by it. Like, she's probably... My girl is probably the walking, living, breathing embodiment of my mom, my granny Huffman, my auntie babe, and a little bit of my grandma Chambers. In the sense of all those women combined, loving, caring, stern, very intelligent, all of them. Um, sense and humor, great cook. Um, my girlfriend's just a dope person, a beautiful woman. Um, I don't think that there's anybody else for me. I know there's nobody else for me because I got to give my girl credit. I could be difficult to deal with. And I feel like there's nobody else for her. And I hope she feels the same way. Um, I honestly feel like we was meant to be together because you can find somebody that, like, I could find somebody that look better than her. I could find somebody that do any and everything better than her. 
She could find somebody to look better than me. She could find somebody to do any and everything better than me. But with that being said, there's nobody that's going to do for us what we do for us, like how we do for us. It won't be the same. That woman is my right hand. She my heart. She my better half. And whatever the future holds for us, is nobody that I would want to do it with more than her. Like, I've been in other relationships. I've been in other good relationships. I've been in a bad relationship. This is probably the most mutual, most reciprocal relationship that I've ever been in. And I think what helps it is... Having a son and knowing that he needs stability and, you know, he deserves a two-parent household, even though I'm not his biological dad, I think that helps it because it's like we both know that we've got to be better for ourselves to be better for him so that we can be better than what we had. Because what we had was good. It was great. But going forward with the generations, we got to make the next generation better than us. And whenever we have a kid together, um, I will be cool with another boy, but I hope it's a little girl. I would want a little girl with curly hair, dimples like my girlfriend got, and a smile like my girlfriend got. Because I feel like she's got one of the most beautiful smiles that I've ever seen since my granny uh, on earth. And I feel like my girlfriend, who does an amazing job with our son already, will do an even more amazing job if we have a little girl together. But whatever happens is going to happen. I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to take it as it come, and I'm going to enjoy being with this woman that God blessed me with because a lot of times, as a young man, you get caught up in dumb shit. You get caught up in the way of the world, so to speak, and you could get in your own way. You could block your blessings, and you could just flat out be too stupid to pray for yourself, but... You get blessed with women in your life that care about you, that love you, and that to pray for you when you're too stupid to pray for yourself. And I know that whether it's my girl or the women in my family, I've been blessed, extremely blessed throughout my life. Now I'm just at the point where I have this woman that I'm going through life with, and it's amazing, bro. Like, um... Being at this point in life, it, it legit gives gives me a sense of peace because I didn't always think that this would come. Because when I was 16, if we being honest, I thought I would be dead by 18. Um, I didn't think 21 was possible. 25 wasn't on my radar. And to be 28 approaching 29 now, that wasn't nowhere in my ecosystem. I couldn't even imagine that. But 
now that I'm 28, about to be 29 in a month, in a couple months, I can't wait to be 50, 60, 70 years old because I have a woman who is amazing. I remember the first time my girlfriend ever made me lunch for work and she put it in a styrofoam container like you would get from a restaurant and she drew a happy face on the shit. And that was like the dopest thing to me. That was probably like one of the best gifts anybody ever gave me. Um, I remember the first time we went on like a real date where I paid for the shit. We went to this claim jumper and we actually sat down and had dinner. And um, I remember she ordered a wedge salad. And my girl is like my mama. For some reason, they got this thing where they really be trying to get me to eat salads. And I'm like a typical carnivore. I don't want to eat a bunch of grass. Give me the meat. Give me a steak. Give me some chicken. Give me something. I don't want to eat no salad. And my girl ordered this wedge salad. And man, that salad was so good. We went to town on it. And to this day, like, sometimes when we kicking it, just going down memory lane, we'll talk about that date. And we'll laugh because now my girl could always get me to eat a salad or we split a salad like we did that night. But back then, like, I wasn't too keen on just eating salads. Like, but it took her to come around and get me to, like, start eating salads. Or, like, I remember when my, when my son first came into the picture, when he first met me, he pretty much started calling me dad like that day. And at first, my girl hated it. Like, she didn't want him to call me dad. And I mean, looking back, I can understand why. Because if we ain't work out, he get attached. And now it's like he lose two dads, his biological dad, and he lose me. But, you know, my pops was a great man. My pops didn't have to be with my mama having two boys and, and a girl. My pops could have easily let my mom raise us by herself he could have easily dipped but pops was around and he helped raise three kids he ain't had to raise and so for me like dating other girls with kids but more specifically dating my girl like I'm not I wasn't finna dip just cause she had a kid and then when he started calling me dad it was like I definitely couldn't dip then because that would be letting him down and like I said before, like my son's been attached to me at the hip since we've met. And it's just funny now, years later, to watch him move around and do certain things and see bits and pieces of myself in him and see where we're super similar and super alike. And it's just like. If you didn't know the situation, you would never know he's not biologically my son. But more importantly, watching my son and how he is with his mom and watching how he is with his mom because of how he sees me be with his mom is probably one of the dopest life experiences ever. My son is super protective of his mom, super loving, caring. And playful. He he probably gets the playful shit for me because I can absolutely tell when me and my son get on my girl nerves. 
Um, sometimes we just keep going and pushing her buttons because eventually she going to laugh and like get over it. Or she going to like hit us with a pillow and tell us to shut up. But it's a super dope thing because one thing my son does now, um, you know, thanks to technology, when we be FaceTiming or whatever, me and my son could be talking and I could be helping them with homework if I'm not home or we could just be talking on FaceTime just in general. And my son would be like, hey, dad, you want to see my mom's beautiful face? And it's so funny to me because I guess now he's heard me call her beautiful or tell her she was beautiful so much to where now that's ingrained in him. And his mom is the most beautiful woman in the world to him. And that's dope. Like, I always want him to keep that and want them to foster that energy between each other. And I want to be a part of fostering that energy between them. And to see the smile on her face, like when my son says that, is amazing. To see my girl smile, period, is amazing. Um, Her story and how she grew up. And where we at now is amazing. Like, I can't wait to see what the next 10, 20 years is like because, you know, the women in my family shaped me and molded me to be the man that I am and the man that my girl loves. But my girl is shaping me to be something even better for her, for my family, and for the world. So as the success comes, when it comes... However it comes, I know that it's only because of my girl and the women in my family that I will legit be someone that the world will love and respect. And it's going to be a beautiful thing to see it blossom because no matter what, as stubborn and, you know, dominant and aggressive personalities as me and my girl have the one thing that we bring out of each other but she definitely brings it out of me more is loving and caring and being compassionate towards other people I will definitely give my girlfriend credit for making me care about other people on a deeper level than I ever did before um for a long time I was selfish and only really cared about like maybe myself and my granny Huffman and maybe like my mom or my aunties like my auntie babe my auntie Barbara but my girl definitely has me at a place where I care about everybody at least everybody that's around me for sure and I want everybody around me to be you know happy and you know whatever that means for them I know it may not always be attached to me but whatever happiness is for the people around me I want them to have that and my girl is a large part of that she's a beautiful soul she's a beautiful young woman and you know she deserves the world and I'm gonna give her that but with that being said it's episode one of the heart of a champion podcast dedicated to the lovely ladies in my life and for those of them that hear this episode of the podcast i hope they love it i hope i did them justice i hope they proud to my two great grandmothers 
And my grandmother that's no longer here, I love you. I miss you. Can't wait till I can see you again. To my mama, I love you. Thank you for what you groomed me to be in your hand in the person that I am today. And last but not least, to my girlfriend, I love you. And I can't wait to marry you one day. And I can't wait to see what the next 20, 30 years of life has in store for us and the family that we're building together and where that's going to take us. It's your main man, Kenny Chambers, a.k.a. the guy, Kenny. I'm signing out. Peace, love, and a whole lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a whole lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a whole lot, a lot, a whole lot of laughs. Because remember, life ain't worth living if you ain't laughing.